0: Today is Sunday, May 17, 2020. On this day in 1968, the decaying body of an unidentified young woman was found off Route 25 in Backwoods, Kentucky. She was dubbed Tent Girl by the media, thanks to the fabric her body was wrapped in. Three decades later, an internet sleuth unraveled the mystery of her real name. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering the discovery of the so-called Tent Girl's body, which, 30 years later, finally got a real name. Let's go back to May 17th, 1968, in the woods outside Lexington, Kentucky. Wilbur Riddle was a water well digger most days. Not today, though. Today he was out in the woods by Eagle Creek off Route 25. No wells to dig around here. Still, he was working. His eyes were carefully trained on the forest floor, his feet kicking up fallen leaves and branches. He was looking for the bell-shaped glass insulators that sometimes fell from overhead power lines. He had a buddy that could sell them as fanciful paperweights, $5 each. Not bad. But he wouldn't just find pretty glassware amidst the undergrowth. Not today. As the hot May sun beat down through the shifting leaves above, his foot caught on something. Something solid, but with some give. A rotten log? No, he looked closer. It was a green burlap sack, the kind they carried big top tents in for carnivals and the like, but there were no carnivals out by Eagle Creek. Wilbur squatted down and pulled the tan cord holding the sack closed. As the fabric fell away, he recoiled, almost tumbling over. That was no tent, that was a body. Despite the decay, Wilbur could tell this was a woman. She was completely naked, except for the bit of cloth diaper slung across her shoulder. Her eyes were rotted away. The maggots at least hadn't gotten to her, thanks to the burlap covering. But this was a horrifying sight. The police needed to see it immediately. An autopsy confirmed that the body belonged to a petite young woman. She'd been knocked out with a blow to the head, then left in the burlap bag to suffocate. Broken fingernails indicated that she'd tried to claw her way through the cloth. The oxygen had run out first. Police got to work on the case immediately, but their investigation provided more questions than answers. For six long months, they struggled to even determine who their Jane Doe was, much less who killed her. All they got for their efforts were a few approximations. She had died between April 26th and May third, nineteen 1968, and she'd been about 16 to 19 years old. But there were no missing persons reports to match those figures. Not around Lexington, Kentucky, anyway. The case went cold. The body was buried beneath a rose-colored headstone, and the media dubbed the corpse Tent Girl for her green burlap tomb. Wilbur Riddle, meanwhile, remained fascinated by the story of the mystery girl whose body he'd found, and he made sure his neck of the South never forgot about her— He told the story to waitresses, he passed it down to his 16 children and their playmates, and nearly 20 years after that hot May day out by Eagle Creek, he told the story to a teenager named Todd Matthews. In 1987, Todd Matthews was a classmate of Wilbur Riddle's 16-year-old daughter Lori, Around Halloween time, the two teens struck up a flirtation, and soon enough, Matthews found himself whispering ghost stories to Lori in study hall. She naturally brought up her family's own gory mystery, the tale of the tent girl. Matthews, fascinated, hung on her every word. Lori asked him if he wanted to come over to hear the full story from her father. Matthews agreed. His interest in the tent girl only grew once he heard the master storyteller himself wind his yarn. Matthews later explained, it was fascination, instant fascination. But he didn't just love the mystery, he wanted to unravel it. As he told Lori, I'll find who this girl is. Matthews tried to make good on that promise. Studying the police sketch of the tent girl, driving out to her tombstone, and talking to policemen who'd been involved with the case. But what could the amateur teenage sleuth figure out that the professionals hadn't? He didn't have any skills the local sheriffs were missing back when they did their official investigation. Not yet, anyway. Up next... Todd Matthews takes an unconventional approach to unraveling Tent Girl's identity. Now back to the story. Wilbur Riddle found the body of the Tent Girl on May 17, 1968, in the woods outside Lexington, Kentucky. But police weren't able to figure out who she was, much less who'd killed her. Nearly two decades later, Wilbur told the story of the mystery corpse to his teenage daughter's boyfriend, Todd Matthews, who, nine short months later, married young Laurie. Matthews, like his new father-in-law, was fascinated by the story of the tent girl, and he was determined to figure out who she was. But what did he have that the police had overlooked or perhaps hadn't had access to back in 1968? In 1992, he realized it, the internet. As Al Gore said in a TV interview, the internet was an information superhighway. Perhaps it was the key to the mystery, the place where he'd finally find a clue or two the police had never gotten their hands on. Of course, that meant first saving up for a computer, then figuring out how it worked. But slowly, Matthews learned his way around the World Wide Web. Then he got to work. Using new websites like PeopleFinder, Matthews gathered the email addresses of anyone who had lived near Eagle Creek in the 1960s. He started contacting them, asking if they remembered anything about the Tent Girl case, about women missing around that time, even rumors, he hoped, might be helpful. But in the end, he didn't have to rely on rumors. Instead, he started to comb through missing persons reports, including those on the now-defunct Crane & Hibbs website. It was there, in January of 1998, that Matthews found a post by one Rosemary Westbrook. Her sister, Barbara Ann Hackman Taylor, had disappeared in late 1967, when she was 24 years old. She'd been petite and brunette. She'd had a gap between her two front teeth. The details didn't quite fit the police profile of the tent girl. They'd thought their victim was younger and that she'd died later. But of course, they could have made a mistake about age, thanks to the decayed body. And they could have made a mistake with the timing of her death too. Or perhaps Barbara Ann might have lived for some time after disappearing. It was promising, especially considering that gap tooth. Tent girl had a gap tooth. Matthews had a gut feeling that he'd finally stumbled onto gold. He pushed for a DNA test. Police, curious about whether this young man's unconventional new methods had really worked, agreed to exhume the body once the soil softened in March, 1998. The results confirmed, thanks to Todd Matthews' internet sleuthing, Tent Girl now had a name. She was Barbara Ann Hackman Taylor, the young mother of three little children. Todd Matthews' miraculous success with the Tent Girl case was perhaps all the more miraculous because it wasn't an isolated event. He was far from the only amateur sleuth to take to the internet in the early digital age and to get results. Today, official law enforcement agencies have learned to adopt some of Todd Matthews' methods, looking at online messaging boards and using digitization to share databases with one another. But police don't always have the time to do the kind of persistent, detailed sleuthing Matthews did on the Tent Girl case, especially not on decades-old cold cases. Sometimes an amateur is the right man for the job. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more on Tent Girl, check out the ParCast Original Unsolved Murders episodes, which dive deeper into her story. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Today in True Crime for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter. Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nora Battelle, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.